10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. from WQAQ 98.1 in Hamden, Connecticut. Welcome to Project X, a ranking show unlike any other. Join us as we create and debate top 10 lists each week on a brand new subject from all forms of human media and interest. I'm your host, Clever Streich, along with... And... Dave Billboard. We are so happy to have you here on WQAQ 98.1 for yet another episode of Project X. This week on Project X, we're going to be taking a look at the silver screen, some of our most favorite movies of all time. How are you guys doing this week, guys? It's been a busy week with midterms and everything going on. I had a big exam in economics today that kind of stressed me out a bit, but I'm happy to be here and happy for a nice, easy weekend. That sounds really nice. And uh, guys, as always, this is our first week back after a little bit of time because Gage had a women's ice hockey game last week. So we were joined by Alex Haverdansky, or sorry, two weeks ago, we were joined by Alex Haverdansky on the show. But this time we are back. So we're going to get right in to the top 10 list in just a moment. But how are you guys feeling about your list for this one? This is our top 10 favorite movies of all time. This is a very, very big list. I think these lists are going to really show our different personalities. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it's, this is the sort of list that can uh, definitely sort of give us a little bit of a differential on whose personality is going to be aiming towards like a comedy movie or an adventure movie or something like that. So I'm really, really looking forward to uh, this one. Yeah, Clever, I tried being diverse in this, but we'll see how it plays out. It did not turn out that way, but... We'll just see how it plays out. I'm kind of interested to see how it goes. So, are you guys ready to jump into the first part of our top 10 favorite movies of all time? I'm ready. I believe I am. All right, so here we go. We're going to throw things over to Dylan for the very first part of this show. Dylan, what is your number 10 movie of all time? Okay, so since I'm a huge Marvel fan, it was only right that I put my first ever Marvel movie I went to see in theaters at number 10, which is Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's a film about a space adventurer who's named Peter Quill. And he finds these uh, bunch of rascals. Uh, they got Rocket Raccoon, you got Gamora, you got Drax, and you got Groot, of course. And they're pretty much going on this whole adventure with this orb, which is actually an Infinity Stone, which we find later. I know it sounds a little much, but it's a really good movie. Gage, have you ever seen Guardians of the Galaxy? No, and I don't want to. It does not seem like a great movie to watch. It sounds awful. I'm completely on the other side of this. I don't agree with that take whatsoever, Dylan. I know you're a big Marvel fan, but it shouldn't be a top 10 list movie. It just seems like a little kid movie. Wow, okay. Wow, all right. So a big disagreement right off the bat. Gage does not like those superhero movies. Uh, so there might be a couple more picks like that on this list, Gage. So I'm imagining that you're definitely dabbling in different genres than the superhero uh, Marvel kind of movie. I definitely am. It's more 
comedy based, but I tried mixing it in some serious, more drama movies, but it's majority comedy. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what shows up on your list, and a great way to start things off, Dylan, you got your very, very first pick right in there, and we're going to jump over to Gage, so Gage, reveal your top ten. <laughs> this movie, I saw it in theaters with my dad, so it's kind of some sentimental feeling for me, but also it is part, I don't know, it's just really comedy based on those memes, a lot of memes came out of this movie. It's called a B-movie. And the reason why I like this movie is because it's so funny with having Jerry Seinfeld as a bee, and it's all through the bee's perspective when they get mad that the people are taking all their honey. And um, as you get older, you understand more of what's going on with the, with the bee suing the human race. It's just so funny. And even as you get older, even as I'm a college kid, I still watch this movie that's meant for seven-year-olds because... Even as a college-age kid, it's still, you think it's kind of funny that a bee sued the human race and won to get all the honey. So, uh, according to all known laws of aviation, there is no way that a bee should be able to fly. It's uh, fat wings or something, bodies, ground. I, I forget the, the rest of the line, but you, you know that the whole script is like available as a t-shirt, right? It's all just one big t-shirt. I should think of getting that t-shirt. That yeah, you should like get awesome that t-shirt. It would look great on you. Dylan, I'm what, sure it will. what do you think of the B movie? I mean, I saw it once in theaters in Florida and haven't really seen it ever since. Uh, I saw it the other day with Gage, actually. Uh, every time they, uh, they said the word B, it sped up, uh, like, super fast. So by the it, it was only 15 minutes long in that video. So, I remember one time we yeah. watched the B movie. Uh, I think that Gage will like the story. Uh, we watched it once at uh, Scout Camp. Uh, one night while we were having like ice cream, everybody was, uh, you know, like after dinner and all the activities were done, we ended up watching the B movie and everyone knew like some of the, the most funniest lines. And it was just upon rewatching it, I realized that maybe my nostalgia kind of blinded me from just how kind of eh B movie is as an actual movie without it being a meme. Like it's just kind of there. It, it it's not my favorite movie of all time by Jerry Seinfeld. He's definitely had better outings, especially in Seinfeld on the smaller screen on TV. But, yeah, B-movie. So two controversial oh, picks already. i got to ask you a question first before we move on. Sure. Do you like jazz? Yeah, you like jazz. You like jazz, Gage? Because I most certainly love jazz. So much so that I'm going to move on to number 10, which kind of has something to do with Gage, but... Get jazz, but not not really. Um, so number ten is an all time classic, uh, 1994's Pulp Fiction. Uh, this is my number ten movie uh, because of one scene in particular. I really like the scene with John Travolta inside of the fifties diner doing the dance. There's this dancing scene where where they have this really iconic dance that they do, and it's just one of those all time great movie moments. And I think that on top of that the the chemistry between Samuel Jackson and John Travolta in some of the, the funniest scenes where they're you know trying to uh drink like the fast food or or whatever they're doing inside the apartment or the whole the whole sequence where they're trying to fix the the body in the car and that whole uh part of the movie that that where they would go to Quentin Tarantino's house blah 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 they end up at Jim Shorts Pulp Fiction's an awesome movie that's what I'm trying to get at I've never seen Pulp Fiction, but it sounds super interesting. I've never seen it either. You know, this is where it's going to be interesting. You know, I am really not open-minded for movies. When it comes to film, I'm only in a specific genre. There's only a few, few classics I love to watch, but 
So, for instance, Pulp Fiction, I've never seen it. I've heard of it. I've heard different variations. I heard different um, characteristics of it, but I've never seen it. And that's going to be a little bit tough for me because some of the movies you guys have seen, I probably haven't seen. Like, I haven't seen Pulp Fiction or Guardians of the Galaxy, which uh, Dylan already mentioned. Pulp Fiction is one of those shows that you ju- you just got to, like, see at some point because it's one of those all-time classic movies. Tarantino does a great job directing. And uh, I definitely got to show that to you guys sometime. So maybe this weekend we'll watch Pulp Fiction. It's it's definitely worth the watch. Well, we're watching Austin Powers already. Yeah, we got to watch Austin Powers tonight. We, we got to finish up that trilogy. We're going to watch two Austin Powers movies. After we discuss all these great movies, we're going to go watch Austin Powers, which are also great movies, but, you know. Different. Different. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to number nine. Dylan, back to you. All right. I know Gage is not going to argue with me on this one, but Clever might. I have Dodgeball. And this is your, yes! your classic un- underdog story of a bunch of ragtag guys that work in a in a low like this gym is having problems with making money because this global gym right next to them is just super large and is taking away all their customers. So they have to compete in a dodgeball tournament to get enough money to keep their business alive. I would be cool with this pick, provided that you guys didn't decide to watch this movie on Halloween night for some reason, when we clearly had to watch a scary movie. You guys were like, let's watch Dodgeball, let's watch Dodgeball. Well, we were talking about it on the radio show that night, so that's why... We were talking about it on the radio show that night, but... This is why, because for one Halloween, I teamed up with a bunch of my friends and wore the average Joe shirts that the the rad tags wear in the movie. All right, next year, Dylan... Halloween idea. You, me, Philip, Alex, and uh, and Clover. We're going to be the Cobras. Okay. We'll see, because this year for Halloween, I went as disgruntled college student, but hopefully this time we'll have a little bit more of a creative costume. Moving on to Gage. Let's reveal your number nine. Okay. <laughs> uh, this one, I can't really tell much about the plot because it, I'm not on air, but it's called Old School. And I've told you guys about it a couple of times here and there. It's basically it's about these these guys. It stars Luke Wilson, Vince Vaughn, and uh, and Will Ferrell. So you know me and Will Ferrell. I like Will Ferrell. He's one of my favorite actors. And Angela from The Office, SNL, a couple of different places he came from. Whoop whoop. A couple of episodes in there, but I he, this is one of the better movies he was in. He was known as Frank the Tank. So I'm not going to go into much detail about it because there's a lot that goes on that I can't really say on there. But um, basically, it's about these guys that buy uh, so this one guy buys a house, and it's right near a college campus. And then Vince Vaughn persuades the guy to make turn it into a frat house. So then, pretty much the whole plot of the movie is is Vince Vaughn, Luke Wilson, and uh, and with and Will Ferrell are trying to turn this turn this into a college frat house where everybody to be included. And the dean of students at the university is preventing them from doing it. So that's the whole plot of the movie. That is interesting. And something that we should probably uh, see, but the demon college student sounds a little bit hitting too close to home. But anyways. I don't think it would be for me personally. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not a Dylan movie. I'm not, not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, I don't know. You watch, some, you watch interesting stuff. Like You've seen Austin Powers and you've seen Dodgeball for instance, and those are movies that I'm surprised that you've seen. So if you've seen those, I think you can probably handle what's going to happen in old school. All right, we'll have to just wait and see, I guess. Uh, another movie to put yet uh, on the list. Uh, I'll reveal my number nine now to, to transition here. 
Uh, so this number nine movie is one of my personal favorites. It is one that uh, you guys probably should see if you haven't seen just yet. Um, so number nine is going to be The Truman Show uh, starring Jim Carrey. Have you guys ever seen The Truman Show? I know that there was a president named Truman. <laughs> yeah, Harry S. Truman, but not not uh, The Truman Show, the, the, the movie. What about you, Gage? I got a question. Isn't The Truman Show a TV show, not a movie? Almost. So the plot of the Truman Show is that there is a, a kid that is born and then grows up. The Jim Carrey's character grows up in a simulated like world that has been created, but is broadcast twenty four seven on TV so that people all around the world can see a human basically age in a simulated environment. So they create like this beach town within this gigantic biodome, and they end up raising uh, Jim Carrey's character Truman uh, inside of the biodome. And eventually, he starts to become, like, enlightened and aware that he's within the walls of this, like, uh, basically a biodome prison. Because he hasn't been outside into the real world since birth. He basically was, like, an orphan that ends up figuring out his surroundings. So it's a very, very fascinating and very, very funny film. Because everyone around him is actors. They aren't, like, real people. They're, they're just playing characters on a TV show. So The Truman Show is one of those movies that you should definitely... See, it's, it's one of those funny comedies. Sounds a lot like WandaVision. Yeah, it does sound a lot like WandaVision because it's like TV and then reality is slightly outside of it. But it, it's it's a little bit... If you were a fan of WandaVision, definitely would recommend The Truman Show. It's one of those movies that uh, will get a good laugh out of you. Um, I'll be honest with you, Clever. No offense. That sounds kind of stupid. Because um, I still... It's part, there's, there's this part of me that's like, I don't like watching a movie that's watching a TV show. That is like, that's pretty much like sitting there and watching the actors and actresses sit on their couch and watch TV all this time. No, 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 you're you're reading it wrong, Gage. You you got the wrong interpretation of The Truman Show. Let me tell you, The Truman Show is a great movie because it gives you the perspective of like, what if they're like everything around you is TV? Like, what if you, your life is a TV show. That That's the question that is posed and will make you, like, really think, is everything just a TV show? Is there, like, cameras or anyone? What's going on? So, Truman Show, no, you gotta watch the answer that. Is no, you don't get a camera <laughs> behind you, do you, Glover? No. I mean, yes, because Jackie from WQAQ is doing a profile on us, but that, that's a separate hey, story. Hey, Jackie, how you doing? Hi, Jackie, how you doing? <laughs> uh, check us out on WQAQ's Instagram later on this week. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, yeah. Moving on from my number nine, let's go back to Dylan for his number eight. All right. My number eight is another sports film, and it's very popular uh, where I came from, and it's called The Sandlot. And this is a classic film where a kid that moves into the town named Scotty Smalls, who seems to have no baseball ability, goes and plays constantly in a sandlot with a bunch of the neighborhood kids and starts, like, just they all... uh, adapt a friendship for one another and it's just an incredible story to watch i feel like an idiot right now because i forgot to put that on my list i love that movie that's a good that's movie for me that for me is like a classic 1960s movie and i tell my friends this all the time i want to enjoy my summer of, of my summer to be like that where it's carefree nothing to worry about just go out and have fun every day and then come back at like 5 p.m and have dinner and then that's it Living the dream. Dude, that's my dream right there. 
I love that. I love that. I love that environment that they are in. Like they go out and they ride their bikes, and their parents are like, okay, make sure you come back in for supper. Like all that. That part I like. That that classic style and everything. That just makes it peach perfect for me. That's awesome. I I think that that and like Bad News Bears gives off the same vibe in a lot of ways. So have you guys ever seen Bad News Bears? As baseball fans, you must have seen Bad News Bears. I have not. How have you never seen Bad News Bears? We got to show you that. Bad News Bears is another really good baseball movie. It was. I love Bad News Bears. Dun 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 dun. I caught it. I've heard that though. Uh. I mean, like, it, it's, like, classical music, so you probably have heard it, but how have you never seen Bad News Bears and you're a baseball fan? We gotta show you Bad News Bears. Gage, we have to show him Bad News Bears, am I right? Yes, you'll love Bad News Bears. The original one, not the Not the original, not, the, not the sequels. Not the sequels! The new one is complete garbage. <laughs> the one where they go to Tokyo. Or the, any of the sequels or the Bad News Bears. No Wait, Bad News Bears go to no Tokyo? Go. Bad News Bears go to Tokyo was lackluster, in my opinion. I've never heard that we went to Tokyo. Yeah, there was there were sequels of Bad News Bears. I don't think that they're the same actors, but the same concept of it. Kind of like the Mighty Duck sequels, but the Mighty Duck sequels are better. I mean, Anyways, the, we're getting off track here. The Sandlot sequel isn't really good either. Sequels just yeah, the they're, and the third they're hit or miss. Yeah, sequels the are hit one is pretty much a rocket scientist kid who like, shoots rockets at the Sandlot baseball park. My policy on sequels is that if you don't have a really good story to tell don't do a sequel like uh if if you have a good idea of like all right here's the natural evolution for the characters to grow and change go for it but if not just leave it alone i get that you want to cash in but do something new that's my take on it gage do you have a take on your number eight no i do not oh well Actually, i guess i'll do I, my I number eight. Have, i have i have a number eight but i don't have real much of a take on it Okay. But, so my number eight, it's a movie. This is a this is a based on a true story. This is actually a good. This is my first real movie that's genuinely and that's genuinely pretty good. And it takes place in Virginia back in the '60s. You remember back in the '60s when the civil rights movement was going on? Yeah. And this one high school down in Virginia decided to integrate their football team. And this movie is called Remember the Titans. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of it or ever seen it, but it's very, very good. It's pretty much um, that they this new high school had, had, um, hires this black head coach to take over for the football team, and the and the board of in the board of education told the head coach that if he loses one game that season, he's fired. So what did they do? They went undefeated and won the state title. And they build, they beat they beat all the odds, and it was the most incredible thing ever. And there's amazing lines in that movie. One is when they were down or they were having a tough battle, the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator pulled him to the side and said, "All right, I want you, I want the, I want the opposing team to remember the day that they met the Titans." And it was like a very impactful moment. And it was at that moment that they turned that they fought through and won the championship. I watched this movie in sixth grade. I just remember that. And I watched this in social studies because it showed the development of like a community and like what brotherhood can do and like a bond that they, like a team can have. So I've seen this movie before and Denzel Washington's very, very good in the 2000 version. I saw it also in school, surprisingly. I guess it's just one of those movies where they know the story about it and it's just a good message in general. Honestly, it's one of those movies that if you are a sports fan, definitely check out. 
Uh, it's a it's a solid film. Actually, a history lesson about that movie. Um, you know the actress Hayden Panettiere that plays it. Uh, no, that, that but plays the daughter of the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. My my sister is named after that actress. Really? From that movie, yeah. That's very cool. All right, little bit of uh, Kilborn family history there to buffer off of number eight, but I'll, I'll flip over to my number eight. And since we're talking about sports movies so much, I might as well talk about sports movies as well. Uh, my favorite sports movie of all time, and my number eight on my top ten favorite movies list is Miracle uh, from two thousand four. Yeah, yeah, I knew that was coming. obviously as a big hockey fan. I love hockey more than anything in the world, uh, sports wise, and this is the best hockey movie in my opinion. Um, 2004's Miracle uh, chronicles the 1980 Olympic medal hockey team from the United States. They went on to defeat both Russia and I think it was Sweden in the yeah. medal final. And uh, this was the the ragtag collegiate team. So, like, imagine if a bunch of Quinnipiac Bobcats went on to defeat, like, a bunch of really great um, foreign players or, or people from the NCAA or, or free agents in general. Just a bunch of people that weren't NHL talent yet were basically tapped and then put onto this 1980 team with Herb Brooks, and he would, you know, lead this team to success. And my, my favorite part of the movie is the the speech that he gives near the end. The the, the famous Herb Brooks speech that he gives. Uh I saw uh this like this kid was performing it on YouTube and he was like wearing a suit. It was hilarious. I gotta show you guys that video, but one of those movies that when you think sports movies, you got to think Miracle. Yeah, I completely agree. The only reason why it isn't on my list is that I'm not the biggest of hockey fans. And that film and obviously the Mighty Ducks also, two Disney films about hockey is what really introduced me to the sport in general. I agree with it. I, I like I like that pick up there, Clever. I'm surprised you don't have it higher, actually, because of how much you're a hockey fan. And this is, when you're an American... You like you have to watch this movie to be it's like a rite of passage when you watch this movie. Everybody has seen this movie. I've seen it multiple times. I saw it during a swim camp one time because they said it was somewhat related to swimming. And but uh, it was. But overall, I I think that that's I think it's a good pick. But I think it should have been higher. Honestly, I I think that it's one of those sports movies that if you are you know a fan of the Olympics or any sort of like winter sports in general, check this out. Because it's it's not only a good sports movie with great action sequences, but it's really, really well acted too. Like uh, I think that Kurt Russell is amazing in Herb Brooks's role, and I wouldn't pick anyone better for the job. All right, let's do one more before we step out. But I, I want to go back to Dylan here so that he can share his number seven. So what do you got for us, Dylan? Okay, so you got your hockey movie. Now I got my football movie. And everybody, every football fan, like the best day of the year is the NFL draft. And this movie literally takes you into everything that happens leading up to draft day, a.k.a. the title draft day. So in the movie, the Browns GM is trying to figure out what to do with the number one pick. And you just see the full process and the the consequences and the struggles of trying to get the exact player that could change their franchise. And it's just such a good story. I agree with that completely. I, I also love that. I love draft day also. And I remember watching that movie as a kid when it came out in 2013. I was my parents were like, "Yeah, this is a movie made for you, Gage." And I was like sitting there, and I was watching it. I've seen that movie a couple times, and 
it's one of, there's not many NFL movies that are out there, but that's one of the good ones. Really depicts the stress that's going on within the first round of the NFL draft that many NFL fans and even those that are just that are just tuning in don't realize behind the scenes. Yeah, that's uh, I I haven't watched many football movies personally other than remember the Titans, but you guys seem to have a lot of good suggestions as to what to watch next. So if I ever am in the mood for a sports movie that's something new, I'll definitely turn to you guys for some suggestions. But yeah, so far, uh, so good. Uh, Dylan, another really solid pick. Thank you. Gage, let's go to you. All right, number seven. I have a movie. This is, I want to tell, give you the actors first. I want you to guess what movie it is. Because you might get it off the first try. Sure. Adam Sandler, Kevin James, Grown ups. Chris Rock, Grown ups. David Spade, and Rob Schneider. Grown ups. Correct, Amongo. That is my number seven because. It just reminds me of like something that some of my friends and I would do when we're older. We just hang out at like a, have like a summer beach house for the weekend, and we get to see each other's families and kids and have a bunch of fun doing, God knows what for a bunch of it was a bunch so much fun and I I really enjoy it. My favorite part is the arrow roulette scene, where they um where they decided to like shoot an arrow up in the sky and try to stay and try to not move, but then they lose it in the sun and they all run like maniacs. Where the one guy that stands there gets gets the arrow in his foot. That's such an Adam so, Sandler movie thing. <laughs> Wait, Gage. It's just like such a fun, pretty much just all these Saturday Night Live hosts just made this movie, and it was so much fun to watch. I love that movie. Gage, do you remember the water slide scene? Oh, of course. <laughs> you should know that I remember that scene. And that, and then the, well, there was, there was, some, there was so many good scenes. that you, The Pina Colada song that was played during the, when they were trying to fix the car. Do you like pina coladas getting caught in the rain? This movie yeah. made $271 million in the box office. Hey, did better than Grown Ups 2. I did not like that one too much. Grown Ups 2. I, I don't know why, but apparently some people on the internet have a problem with Grown Ups 2. It's one of those movies that just seems like, I don't know, a punching bag. But it's always on. It's always on. It's like always on like HBO or Cinemax or whatever. Yeah. Comedy Central. You can see there too. They, have like, they usually do the grown ups marathon. They do the first one and the second one. I'm gonna share my number seven. Uh, so this is going to be uh, an all time classic once again, and uh, I'll, I'll just give a little bit of a musical cue per se. Yeah, it's Jaws. So 1975, uh, really great movie, lots of suspense, lots of uh, really iconic moments with uh, Steven Spielberg directing, uh, big, uh, big, big blockbuster movie. I think it was the first one of its kind and sort of paved the way for a movie like Star Wars to come in and also be as successful as it was. But Jaws is, I think, a, a master of putting three characters in peril in one location and then just kind of having to fight this massive shark. It's so enticing. It really catches your attention, and I have a very fond memory of watching this movie because the only times I've seen it, I've seen it twice. Uh, the only times I've seen it have been in drive-ins. Have you guys ever been to a drive-in? Not in a very long no. time. A drive-in, for those of you who may not know, is when you go with your car to a parking lot, and then there's a screen with a refreshment stand, and you watch a movie from your car or outside of your car. It's become a lot more popular since the pandemic started, because of how often, you know, 
you can't go to movie theaters anymore. Just drive your car to a drive-in. And we have a bunch of drive-ins in our area. And this is one of the only films that I've only ever seen in a drive-in. It's one of those special, uh, like, it, it feels like your, your retro blast to the past sort of film. Yeah, yeah uh, Jaws is interesting for me because it's I have a love-hate relationship with this movie. Part of it is, after having that um, Com-, Com 140 class with Jamie DeLoma last semester when he showed us the Jaws board game review of how to make the how to how to play the game during class, I was like, okay, this is a waste of my time. But then earlier on, like my sophomore year of high school, my my English my English teacher is probably not listening to this, but he he came back from like a day off or something like that he was out at he was out of the state championships of golf or something, and he came back and he just showed us Jaws and said. Yeah, it's related to Lord of the Flies because they're they're both located on an island, and we just believed it because we wanted to watch that instead of doing work. So, I have a love hate relationship with that movie. Oh my God, Lord of the Flies is nothing like Jaws. Yeah, I, other than the the need for survival, those are pretty much opposites. But hey, it's either watch a movie or do work. I, I what, guys, have you ever had a moment in school where the teacher goes and they're like? Today in class, we'll be watching a film. And then everyone's just like, a film? I've never seen one of those in school before. Not uh, really. A couple times. We had we saw we saw a lot of movies in that class. We saw The Greatest Showman. That was the first time I ever saw that movie was there, that's a good. That's a good movie. Good music. It's decent. Um, then we also saw Pleasantville. Don't you ever heard of that or not? No. No. It's it's decent. I mean, it's basically like these. It's pretty much similar to the Truman Show. Pretty much, these kids go into a TV show, and they pretty much change how the TV show runs. It's very it's different. And then you see like it's like a '60s black and white TV show. Everything's oh, black yeah. and white. It probably does go in hand with the Truman Show in that case. All right, so we're gonna step out for just a quick little second. Oh, I just had one more memory. The only, uh, the first time I ever watched a film in school was when we saw Finding Nemo in seventh grade in French. I had to watch it with oh. English subtitles. I mean, the, the caveat to watching the movies in class is that you have to watch them in French in the language that you're taking. I watched Beauty and the Beast in Spanish. I watched Shrek 2 in Spanish. <laughs> that was fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to watch the B-movie and Wingdings while we're on commercial. Uh, we'll be right back here on WQAQ 98.1 FM, Project X, WQAQ 98.1 FM. You're listening to WQAQ, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. And we're back here on WQAQ 98.1 FM, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. This is Project X that you're currently listening to. My name is Clever Streich, along with Dylan Summer and Gage Kilborn. This week we are counting down our top 10 favorite movies of all time. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn, and join us as we count down our top 10 favorite movies. Continuing with number six, let's roll right back on into it. We're going to go to Dylan Summer for his number six. Okay, my number six is iconic. And I think almost every single kid in our generation have watched it. And it's Toy Story. It's just an incredible uh, story, well, given the name, 
about a kid named Andy, and he's growing up with his toys, and then when he disappears, the toys come to life, and you get this whole adventure with Buzz and Woody and their character dynamic. It's just such a good movie. You mean the first one or like the yeah the first one? All of them are good. That I have that mentality. So the first one is my favorite. So thank you for saying the first one. But the second one, the third one, the second one one. sort of went off. But the third one, and then the fourth one. The third one was fire. The fourth one, yeah, it was okay. It was pretty good. But I love the fourth. Wait, 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 wait. We're gonna have a debate here. I love the fourth one. I don't care for the first one as much. You don't care for the first one, despite the fact that it was a technological innovation. It was one of the first ever three D fully animated movies that was created in CGI in long form. In my opinion, here's the thing about it. The first one, it's, it, yes, it's good because it gives you a different perspective on the toys and it's never been done before, but it's, I don't know the best way to put it. It's just different. I don't like it. I and think... the animation is terrible. And overall, I know the animation back then. Yeah, the animation was, was terrible because it was 1995 gauge. That's the best they could do, but still, you gotta think of it this way, all right? Andy must be so stupid to leave his toys around, and not, and then he goes, "Oh, they're not there," and the parents are not even caring to look for it. And then it just—he doesn't care about Woody. That part really aggravates me. It's Woody. It's his favorite. It's his. You, you might have got a friend in me. You know all of that going on. So that's why Toy Story Four is the best. When Bonnie's like, "Okay, don't need Woody anymore," and she throws him to the curb and. He finds Bo Peep and he lives happily ever after, jumping around uh, carousels all day. Okay, Gage, let's just make this clear. You like Toy Story 4 because Bo Peep returns, and she's... She's your favorite character. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, here's, here's, my, here's my take, because Toy Story 3, they know Bo Peep, all right? And that part, it, I'll be honest with you, that part kind of ruined it. I don't know, Toy Story 3 is the worst Toy Story they made. What? It's cause what are you, these the takes? Worst, Cause look at, look at. What are these way. takes? What? What are you? First of all, Toy Story three is the worst Toy Story. What? What? No, Toy Story two. Toy Story two. No, none of the Toy I Stories are Toy bad. Toy Story two. I love. But Toy if Story you two. were to rank, if them. we were to rank them, Toy Story two would be like third. Then I'd say Toy Story four is the weakest of the four. You think Toy no, Story no, no. four Toy is Story the weakest? Four is the first. Toy Story two is the second, and then for the third, I'd just go to Toy Story three over Toy Story one. That's how much I don't like Toy but Story. But Toy Story one. one is what guy all started. In Toy Story three, they lock arms and they all almost die because they care about each other. They yeah, literally are almost scary. burned alive. Yes, that's what. That's where Disney took it too far. Okay, they took it too far by doing that. They just stick with the. They just stick with the ply and go with the tender neutral stuff. They go from nice and calm to the, to Toy Story three, where you see the toys they loved and grown up with almost die in a fiery pit. So you must not like the the Pixar Safi sort of stuff. So you must not like the opening to Up then in that case, where it's like no, really well, emotional no. or. No, I think so. The Up one, it was just too. It was over every kid's head. They don't want to like when I was a kid when I saw those scenes, I was confused at what was going on. So I asked my parents about it and they explained it to me. So stuff like that, like they had a lot of like once they got older, once they got older, and I saw and I was old enough when I saw Inside Out to understand what was going on. But I, for one, it was a creative idea. Don't get me wrong. I think it was kind of creative. But I think that they should have never done that in the first place because it gets kids questioning what's going to be like when they hit puberty. If they're happy, if they're happy, smiley characters are going to go and almost be forgotten about in the mem- in the pits of forgottenness alongside their childhood memories, such as Bimbo. But Bimbo. 
Bing bong. It's bing bong. Oh, yeah, bing bong, him too. <laughs> First of all, how did we go from Toy Story to Inside Out? I mean, uh, whatever. Mo- moving back to Toy Story. Moving back to Toy Story. Gage, the Gage claw. Gage just went on a long tangent. Pizza Planet. Pizza Planet. The, the Sid. Sid the, the, the Rocket. Reach for the Sky. All these iconic moments. The toy... Woody holding Buzz. Uh, Buzz holding Woody. Buzz learning he can't actually fly until the nice RC car. You can't fly. You are a toy. No, 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 no. no. Here's the thing about Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 3. Toy Story 1. Sid damages his toys. You see it firsthand. He damages his toys. Some kids do that. Yeah, kids do that all the time. But if you get a girl with you love the toys, I mean, in the first one, like Buzz is, Buzz is almost dead because he had the rocket attached to him, and he goes, "I want to see this. I want to see this toy fly for real." And then he's like, he's about in his depression phase. He's like, "Yeah, I'm a toy. I should not be here anymore." Like all of that was going through his head. What does that teach kids about depression? I'm so lost. Gage, you're diving Gage, way too deep on? into a kids movie. <laughs> Because it got a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a really good film. Gage. I don't think it's. A, I, I'm so it's lost. Toy Story Four is the best Toy Story out of the series by far. Holy moly! All right, <laughs> moving on. Uh, Gage, thanks for going to the bat for Toy Story Four, and uh, wow, if that, that was, isn't on your list, then that, I don't is know it, what it is. Isn't on your list after how hard you swung to the fences for it? I'll be surprised. All right, we'll see. Uh, I'm guessing number, number one's like pixels or something. That's not my list. All right. At least I at least have some culture in me. Yeah, reveal your number six. All right. You all know Mel Brooks is well known for Spaceballs, the movie. But do you know that he's also my favorite movies ever made was Blazing Saddles. Oh my God, Gage, you just redeemed yourself with that sentence. I love you now. Blazing Saddles is so good. All right, talk about Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. I like how it just breaks through the fourth wall at the end of the movie, and it goes from um, trying to trying to save a small country western town out in you out in like Oklahoma or somewhere out west to being in a Hollywood where there are like these really these people watching it for the movie for the first time, and then they drive away into the sunset with a cry like a Cadillac or something. If that part makes it funny because it like breaks through so many dimensions you can't even imagine. And then like oh, like there's so much funny stuff that goes on. Like there's a bunch of jokes in there that, that happen. Um there is one where um where they just there they I can't really say much of them because of they're really you can't really say it nowadays, but you can't even you can you, you can't make a movie like this in this generation. Blazing Saddles is such like an out there movie. It's one of Mel Brooks's favorite. Like my second favorite Mel Brooks is obviously Young Frankenstein cuz that's also really good if you've never seen Young Frankenstein go check that out, but I think that Blazing Saddles for simply the the sequence where they just go all through the set is so awesome. That's my favorite part. Like near the end, when they just go through and like do different parts of the set, and that part, and then near the beginning when they're like at the railroad scene, utterly hilarious. Dylan, have you ever seen Blazing Saddles? No, the only two Mel Brooks uh, movies I've seen is what Gage said before, Spaceballs, and then the other one was Robin Hood, Men in Tights. All right, moving right along. Uh, Toy Story, not Toy Story Six. 
<laughs> my number six. <laughs> it's not Toy Story six. I I hope that there isn't a Toy Story six. Uh, number six for me. They're Big probably gonna make Lebowski. a Disney Plus series. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Number six for me is uh. As you can see below you, there's a rug, and I really think that the rug ties the room together. My number six is the Big Lebowski, and. You've probably never heard of this movie, but it's a very, very funny movie. It has a lot of really great actors in it. There's um, Jeff Bridges, there's John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, and they are all, like, they, they, they play, like, these characters that don't really have names other than just being called, like, the dude. Guys, that they go bowling a lot. I, I love this movie because my mom sort of showed it to me uh, back when I was a little bit younger, but th- this is... Such a hilarious movie, and definitely one of those ones that we should put on the list of stuff we need to check out. I've never heard of many of those except for John Goodman. That's about the only com- comedian I know out of that group that you mentioned. Because yet again, remember, I'm not really, I'm not really culturally into watching movies and like being a fan about films, as you probably know by now. I'm really in my own little bubble with stuff that I watch. But um, yeah, no, it sounds pretty good, and I'd say. <laughs> You know what? No. This movie sounds terrible. What? I, for one, disagree with you on this. I mean, I know I like comedy and all that, but this sounds stupid. I don't know half of... I don't know. I only know one of the actors you mentioned. And the joke, oh, this rug really ties the rumor together. You could say that about any movie. Any movie says that. Any movie, any TV show, anything. I, I didn't I didn't really do the greatest job setting off the Big Lebowski, uh, but th- this is... Uh, so, the dude... Like this, this character, Jeff Bridges' character, the dude, basically is called the Big Lebowski, and he explains uh, how he got like his rug got like you know someone peed on it, <laughs> so he has to go on this quest in order to like uh, track down uh, the namesake in order to get revenge. It, it it's such a weird and funny movie. I just can't really describe it. It's one of those movies that we just need to see. Okay. The plot sounds uh, very intriguing. <laughs> it sounds kind of a stupid. If it's like trying to make it's a, a two-hour comedy, movie, you would you would really relate to that, Gage. I, would, I mean, it's, the thing about it is, make a two-hour movie out of someone peeing on a carpet and trying to find a rug <laughs> to cover over it doesn't make any sense to me. And plus, it sounds like a it sounds like something that Nickelodeon would do. And B, to make it more so like a Nickelodeon show, it's called The Big Lebowski. Of course, Nick would make a TV show called The Big Lebowski. That sounds like a Nickelodeon show written all over it in orange and in, in orange and green slime. Shut up, Donnie. It's probably not a. It's probably when not a is slime show. orange? Moving on to number five, Dylan. Back to you. I'm going back to my Disney roots once again, and I had this. If you remember, back in August or September. We did a bonus content of Disney animated films, and this was my number one. Uh, and it's my number five for my favorite movies, The Incredibles. And it's a very uh, captivating uh, movie that where you have a family of superheroes, with all with different powers. One has super strength, one can stretch, one can, uh, can turn invisible, one has super speed, and then you have Jack-Jack, which becomes a demon pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, Jack-Jack has, like, powers in the second one. And then what I really like about this movie is the villain is a fan that grew up loving Mr. Incredible, but then he he always denied him from being his sidekick, so he just wanted to build his own enterprise and build his, make himself a superhero <laughs> instead of just waiting for him forever. 
The Incredibles, the first one, is so amazing. It's one of my favorite animated films. How about you, Gage? Yeah, about that. Oh, no. Back well, to this. Oh, boy. Gage of the hot take. Look at this. All right, Dylan, you want to be in the hot seat for a bit because I, The Incredibles is good, but not the best Incredibles out there. You think Incredibles 2 is better? Oh, God, no. Please. Yes, I do. It was worth the 14 years of waiting. I saw that at Disney Cruise. So I got like pretty much, I pretty much paid to see it for, and they got like free. It was, I'm not going into detail of that. But anyway, Incredibles 2 is better. A, it has more, you get to see more superheroes than just to, to just a family in Frozone. B, it has a more, it's a bigger twist and it has like, and it has, and it pretty much um, controls the superheroes to be bad. Which I think actually makes it more interesting than just having like one little fan kid who gets mad to the point where he creates his own suit. He has no real powers. He just has technology powers, and that's still nothing. Pretty much like a big geek in a cape. That's all it is—a big geek in a cape, and he gets and because of the cape, he got he got destroyed by like some jet or something. So lo and behold, I know the capes are not the big thing, but look it. Pretty much as a fanboy, it was an evil villain with a bunch of techie gear. That's all it was. He had no real superpowers. So that's why, definitely, it has to be the second Incredibles. Gage, I have a question for you. Who's the what? villain in the second movie? It's Okay, look, no, that, that way. Here's the thing <laughs> oh, about the second yes, movie. Yes, we just got owned. I don't remember who the villain is either, but no one remembers who the villain is in Incredibles 2. So no, how is it one, better than the, the first one when you can't even remember it? You're, you're arguing something, and you're not, you don't even have evidence for it. Yeah, so listen, listen, listen for the second one. You're saying the second one, all right? The second one, yes, the villain had high techie stuff, but she used it to her advantage, not for herself. She used it so that way the superheroes could turn against each other and just, and then eventually destroy the world so that way she can prove... Once and for all, why superheroes are not a good thing to have in the in the world. So that was her case compared to what um, what Syndrome did in the first one. He just used the powers to help him succeed, not to have the heroes damage each other. When Disney came up with the second one, where they came, where they had the heroes attacking each other, that added a nice twist to it that I think was better than the first one. Okay, I'll give you credit there, but there I was do like epilepsy warnings in, for the second one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah there's I remember, a teaser warning, but if I you just, go past that, you're good. Do you remember? Do you guys remember Screen Slaver? Yeah, that's the, that's her name. That's, that's the second movie's villain. But Gage didn't know that until you just said it. Yeah, I it, said it was the guy's sister. I know I don't remember names, but I know it was the head guy's sister because they were siblings when their parents died because he tried because um he was in like a criminal because his house was robbed and he called the superhero hotline. And they didn't they didn't come to the phone because superheroes were outlawed by then. Gage, you've delivered the hot takes, my friend. Uh I, I think that we should turn the floor over to you for your uh number five here. Because we we, sh- we should keep moving. We could talk about the Incredibles all night long, but why don't we turn it over to your incredible number five? Yes. Number five for me, this one I really want to see how you guys react to. Have you ever read or have heard about the Da Vinci code? Uh yeah. All right. So Dan Brown was the author of the Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons, and they made movies based on it. And that those are that's my number five. It's pretty much those two. To, I put them together because they're pretty much the same, done by the same author, so it kind of made sense. And it's pretty much the same characters in it. So it's about Robert Langdon. He's a 
symbology professor from the from the Harvard University, and he is going on these quests done by the FBI to um, analyze symbo- symbols to cr- to crack down these c- cases of criminals who are using that who are following their religion to uh, to kill people. And it's just very, very, it's very, very methodical, and it makes you think about the history of the world. It sounds like a very, very interesting movie. Uh, have you ever heard of this movie, Dylan? Uh, I've heard of the Da Vinci Code, but I've never seen the movie or read the book. So, another thing to look into. Yeah, definitely, probably worth a, worth a check out. It's on Netflix, both of them, and I have the book, Dylan, for you. Added upon the, long I have too many growing- things to read already. Add upon the long and growing list of things that we need to watch after the show is uh, done. All right, so let's uh, move into my number five. Uh, to keep things moving here, I want to introduce one of my favorite movies of all time. It's one that you definitely have not have heard of because it's uh, one of those rare pieces of film. But if I named the director, you might know him. Uh, Brian De Palma. Does anyone know who Brian De Palma is? I do not. No clue. Brian De Palma uh, directed Mission Impossible. Oh. Never heard of that. Uh, never heard of Mission Impossible. You've never heard of Mission Impossible. The dun 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 There's literally trailers of it every time you go to a theater. Wait, is that Kim Possible? No. No, Mission Possible, not Kim Possible. You just no, it's Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. You can't even get your I can't even get the title right. Moving on. So Brian De Palma directed Mission Impossible, and he also directed uh this movie that I'm about to talk about, Phantom of the Paradise. You guys have never heard of this, but it's kind of loosely based upon Phantom, Phantom of, the of the Opera, Opera which you guys have heard of, of a, a phantom who haunts a theater. This is about a composer who wants to uh, get his biggest, like, greatest composition performed by a, an evil, like, album uh, uh, company owner who is played by Paul Williams, who wrote Rainbow Connection from the Muppet movie. Uh, Paul Williams basically steals uh, this guy's hard work, so... And uh, while he's trying to get it back, he basically puts the the composer in prison and he breaks out of prison and he tries to get into the record press where, like, he can try and steal his music back. And uh, he he basically gets, like, caught inside of a record pressing machine and then he gets his face, like, melted in half. So he becomes this phantom character. And the the, uh, Paul Williams character is is building a brand new theater and he wants to have, like, a big headlining act uh, kind of premiere at the theater. So it's this big rock and roll adventure where the composer, who now wears a mask and is like completely deformed and cannot speak, has to basically sell his soul to the devil in order to get back what is rightfully his. And there's also a, a female interest that, that there's lots of great music. It, it's a fantastic, fantastic movie and one of my favorite musics of all time. So is it a musical? Uh, yeah, but it's a rock and roll musical. So there's a lot of really good music. You can... Uh, a rock and roll musical. Yeah. That sounds really, really stupid. What? Gage. It's just... Notice how we're not like going at Gage for any of his picks. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's just coming out. after us. He's just he is he is headhunting tonight. He is just going for people. He he is he's just taking uh uh hip hip checks and going five for fighting every single time we, we announce something. But alright, give give me your explanation why you think that Rock musicals don't work. Abe, I've never seen Phantom of the Opera, I'll be honest. And I've never heard, I know, I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. You know, me and music don't really mix, mix to begin with. And um, it's one thing you have a musical, but another thing you'd make a, into a rock musical. 
that just seems too loud. Like every time like someone's like talking and they're like, Oh right, baby, let's go. You know, like all this fired up crap and all that. But that's where it's like, well, you're trying to make like a nice song, smoothing song, like called the phantom of something and turning it into like bang, 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 bang. Like all of that doesn't seem like it should fit. So it it doesn't seem like a natural fit for you. Gage, rock and roll in musicals don't go like that at all. Yeah, they're literally the opposite of whatever you just said. They really do work together. If if I showed you Phantom of the Paradise, if I showed you Phantom of the Paradise, would you believe me? Phantom of the Paradise? What is that? That's the movie I've been talking about. That's my number five. You said Phantom. Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said fan. Okay, I thought you said fan of the paradise at first. Like, what is that? Like, phantom. The word fan, like phantom of the paradise, like phantom of the opera, phantom of the paradise. Anyways, it's got a bunch of great music. It's one of those soundtracks that I really love listening listening to. It was turned on to me by uh, Jason, uh, who uh, is part of my family. So thanks, Jason, for introducing me to this movie. But I really like this movie. And so basically, the phantom of the paradise is basically the phantom on a cruise. Uh, well, no, he's not on a cruise. He's he's still at a theater trying to get back the music that was stolen from him. But it, it's a rock and roll, uh, really awesome experience. And there's a bunch of like crazy uh, stunts that the, the, the fan of the Paradise does. He swings on like a rope at one point. We'll have to check it out some other time. But Gage, I want to uh, get your reaction to my pick after this one. But I, I want to head back to Dylan first. So Dylan, let's let's hear your number four. My number four is the film that passed Avatar, Avengers Endgame. And this was the conclusion of 20... It was either 22 movies or 21 movies. You had to watch all of them, and it led up to this huge, massive event where the Avengers go ahead. Everyone, if you haven't seen Infinity War, there's spoilers. But everyone gets snapped away. All your favorite heroes, gone. So this film goes ahead and it's the Avengers going back in time and capturing all the Infinity Stones. It's sort of like a quest in a way. And it's just, it's marvelous to see getting the name Marvel and all. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So many, so many A-list actors, so many characters in a three-hour Marvel picture. So Gage, let's, let's hear your thoughts on Avengers Endgame. You know my thoughts on Marvel begin with. It's terrible. How so is I, this terrible? First of all. Okay, look, listen, listen to me out. All right. So I tried watching this when I was like 17 or so, a couple of years ago, because back then I was dating somebody and she was really into it. So prior to um, Avengers Endgame coming out in April, I was like, okay, my goal was to try catching myself up to Infinity War to try to, so that way I can watch the movie with her so I can have some sight of what's going on. But by the time that that occurred, that it came around, I was way behind, and she we later broke up. So I was like, "Well, back to not watching that stuff," and I was happy I didn't. It was my favorite Marvel. I really liked was Captain America, the first one, because it was due to it was based on World War II. So that I like history stuff. So that part I thought was kind of cool, but I just it's just too much. They put. If they make like a movie that's like a long series like that, so it's like tw- you said twenty two movies before he got to that point. But that's what fans wait for. Yeah, no, you built up the arc like it really had most uh, the most weight because all these movies preceded it and led to this final concluding story. But okay, here's the thing: when this all started, like 
however long ago it was probably 2008 or something like that. yeah yeah it started with the first iron man film okay 2008 it started all right who in their right mind would plan i know who the creator was but besides that why on his why on green earth would he decide oh let's make a 22 series film about um these superheroes who go and fight and take down this big mythical creature and take away the infinity stones what was going through his head? It just seems like I, I, it just oh yeah, let's all these big superheroes of our of the Marvel dynasty come together to form this big alliance and take down Thanos and or Thanos. something like that. Gage, you're, you're missing something very important. What? The movies are adaptations of the comics. So the comics and their storylines they put into different movies so it could build up to that comic that was called Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, there was an arc that it was based upon, and they, they kind of had a plan, but it sort of fell into a place. They didn't start in 2008 and say, hey, we're going to make 22 movies about these characters. It was just sort of a natural progression that led to, Yeah, hey, because the Marvel Universe is so big. Yeah, it's you, so you big. You need to go into all the other characters' storylines so they could all come together. Literally, well, like, okay. half of existence was at stake in this movie. There was a lot on the line. Thanos, just one snap, eliminated, like, half of existence. Well, Thanos wasn't, like, a part until, like, the end. Yeah, no, Thanos wasn't even there until, like, Infinity War. No, uh, like, or the, a little end bit of, earlier. the end of the end game. Yeah. But it's just, I, 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 I'm here, okay, just here at me, uh, just, why would you, I understand, like, there's a lot of comics and everything. I get that. And the comics came out in like the two, like the sixties. That's when the comics were kind of big. Remember, that's when DC came out with their comics. And all day, when I was a kid, I was a big superhero fan and Superman fan. And I and my um, uncle used to have the have used to have the classic comic books from the sixties. So I would like read those when I was a kid. But it's I just don't get it. It's just not for me. You know what's for me is a comedy stuff, and definitely not Marvel. I'm glad that the series is done, so that way I don't have to hear about it anymore. It's not done. And, yeah, it's, it's still only getting on. started. Are you kidding me? What is up with this dude? Just end it. He's, he's, he's gone. No, just... now they got Captain America Winter Soldier coming out. They got Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. They got another Spider-Man film coming at the they end of the year. They just wrapped up WandaVision. I mean, yeah. like, there's a lot more story left to tell. They Spider-Man haven't even gotten died. into the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and... <laughs> Yeah, there's like at least 20 more movies in the pipeline, 20 more shows. There's a lot more Marvel content, Gage, whether you like it or not. There you have it. Spider-Man just died. I remembered hearing, I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark, and that was it. Well, you obviously haven't seen Endgame. (laughs) (laughs) What, he was resurrected from the dead? Oh, my God. He he exists now. He's in a movie like... uh, uh, Gage, don't you remember there was a Spider-Man far from home right after Avengers... He was around for a couple of movies, and he has, like, a new movie coming out in, like, 20... December. December, yeah. What is going on with Marvel? They're confusing this even more than it needs to be. Because you haven't watched the movies. (laughs) (laughs) Someday we're going to do top 10 Marvel's movies. We we are. My number 10 is that I'm mad. No, we're not, because you're probably going to make me watch seven more Marvel movies. I've only seen three. Uh, don't worry, Gage. I, w- I won't make you Clever, sit there. Do you understand my now, pick? Dylan might, Dylan might, but we'll, we'll have to see about that. Do you understand my pick here, though? I totally understand it. Gage won't because he's not a superhero fan. But No, he just doesn't like watch stuff. 
Yeah, that's not being the superhero fan, Dylan. <laughs> he watches other stuff. You literally stuff, said you liked Superman. Look, look, this man had blazing saddles on his list. I have respect for him. The respect and there's like is comedy there. em- elements in the Avengers as well. So, yeah. Honestly, I, okay, I'll, I'll, side, I'll play devil's advocate here. The superhero movies can get a little bit cookie cutter sometimes. Well, yeah, there's always a big bad, and they had to go get him. Yeah, I mean, that does get old at some point, but, but you know. The, but the scenes in The it, character the moments. I- iconic the character moments, moments in yeah. it. Yeah, I-, I can give you credit on those, but I do think the overarching idea of just, like, big bad, and then there's fight, and then blah, 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 the end. It- it's kind of like, you know, how many different Guardians of the Galaxies or Deadpools can you do before you're just kind of like, all right. This well, now is Deadpool's not- owned by Disney, Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, they don't like Disney now? Yeah, Deadpool 3. Oh, that it's coming Deadpool. out. I liked watching Deadpool. You didn't know Deadpool 3 was happening? I Well, I don't pay attention to Disney, really. You know, I don't have Disney+, Plus, but all I know is this. When the first Deadpool came out, I liked it because that's my type of superhero movie. <laughs> that's my type of. <laughs> that's my type of. Shout, shout, shout out, out to Ben Nihal. That's my type of. That's Ben Nihal. But no, the reason, so here's the problem with, so I, I like Deadpool. I seen, the first time I saw Deadpool was my senior year. I was at a friend's house, and it was a bunch of my classmates. We had a big group party one weekend, and we just sat there. And we watched, uh, we watched Deadpool, and it was just, it was a great time. We just sat there and we watched it, and I liked it because it's my kind of movie, you know. Like it has some funny, there's a lot of funny scenes in it. So that's where I, that's where my, that's where, that's why I like Deadpool. That's still a superhero movie, though. It is, but it's a it's different also Marvel. Movie. It's yeah, it's now Marvel. So it's always been Marvel. There you go. <laughs> He's an X-Man. Okay, oh, mutant. no. I don't know what an X-Man is. I don't want you to know either. Just leave it at that. The X-Men haven't even been introduced into the MCU yet. They're their no, own no, 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 thing. No, no, no. Don't tell me now. I just, I'm just double Marvel. You know what me and Marvel. All right, moving forward from Marvel, let's go to Gage. You can reveal your number four. I can't believe that we talked about Marvel for such a period of time that oh, I forgot get, that Gage Guess what, Clever? We're talking four. about it again later. Oh, we are talking oh, about it again on. later. What the hell is wrong with you? All right, move on, move on. Reveal your number four, Gage. Come on, let's do this thing. Okay, my number four. This one is a classic high school slash college movie. You watch any? I watched this a lot in high school, and this is how I depicted my senior year to be before pandemic shut everything down. High School Musical. Um, no, that's not. That there's nowhere on my list. <laughs> the B movie. American Pie. Okay. Fair. To, Explain, though. Okay. American Pie, it's pretty much these guys make a pact to have a, to do a certain deed. I'm not going to get into the deed, but to do a certain deed by their senior prom night. And it was, there's, and there's so many iconic um, moments that came from that movie that are still used today. For instance, remember this time at band camp? I remember this one time at band camp, you know, that that's like a big that's like a big joke now, especially in my family. We always joke about that. And there's there's some others that I can't really say on t- on air, but it's just overall such a funny movie. Stifler, the Stiffmeister, all of that going in where he drank the beer. It was just such a classic classic movie and they made a bunch of um they made a bunch of like um like runoff like runoff stuff of it. They came up with a second one a few years later, and then this year they came uh, last year they came out with um, American Pie Presents Girls Rules, which I saw. It was pretty much the same story with the first the original, but it was basically um um told by the perspective of girls instead. 
All right. What's your take on it? Uh, my, my take on it is that it, it's it's a funny movie. I, I've seen clips, and it's definitely one of... It reminds me of, like, not another teen movie, like that sort of type of movie. Yeah. Which, which we saw, but Dylan uh, opted out. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at, at, yeah, no, definitely that seems like your type of... That's my type of movie, Gage. <laughs> Let me get copyright claim from there. Nah, it's okay. Um, okay, so I'm going to move on to my movie... Uh, from number four, and then we're going to take a quick break once again here on WQAQ. Uh, this has been a crazy episode talking all about some movies, but I'm going to jump back to a previous talking point real quick. Uh, I once again have a very, very important movie for me personally, and this is something that is an experience unlike any other that I've ever had inside a movie theater. So imagine a movie that has actors in front of the screen acting out the movie while... The movie itself plays in the background, so like uh, a show. No, 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 no. A show where people pantomime the scenes while the movie is going on behind you, and also you get to throw things like toilet paper, toast, cards, and squirt water guns at the screen. So this is the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is my number four. It's a very, very important movie for me, and it's my favorite rock musical of all time. Talking about those rock musicals again that I know that Gage loves so, so much. Well, Gage uh, loves all our picks. This uh, stars Tim Curry. The music in Rocky Horror Picture Show is so fantastic. Have you ever heard of the time warp? What? Well, it's just a jump to the left. Do, 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 do. And a step to the right. Put your hands on your hips. Do, 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 do. And put your knees in tight. But it's the pelvic thrust that really drives you insane. Let's do the time warp again. You ever heard of that? I've heard that song. You have heard of it. Good. It's I from Rocky it. Horror Picture Show. I never heard of that song. Yeah, it was the movie that I wanted to watch in Halloween night, but you guys were like, heck no, we want to watch the Dodgeball Wait, movie. Wait, that was the movie? That was Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. Oh, boy. All right. I'm going to have to sell them on this while we go to break. We're going to be right back on WQAQ 98.1 FM, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hey, it's Emma Spagnolo, General Manager of WQAQ. Are you looking for a fun and creative way to get the word out about your business while trying to appeal to a young group of college students? Well, look no further. WQAQ is Quinnipiac University's student-run radio station. Here at WQAQ, we allow businesses of all kinds to advertise their products and services to our dedicated listeners. All we ask is that you provide our production team with copy points for your desired ad, and we'll come up with a professional and fun radio spot that will play at least 20 times per day. That's 140 times per week and 1,800 times per month. WQAQ. And we're back on WQAQ 98.1 FM. Welcome back to Project X, a ranking show unlike any other. We have uh, Clever Streich, Dylan Summer, Gage Kilborn, as we are rounding out our top 10 favorite movies of all time. So I hope that you had a little bit of a break for refreshments, went to the lobby in order to get some popcorn, some nice candies, and uh, some uh, soda. 
And you're back in your seats, ready for our feature presentation. It's time for our top three favorite movies of all time. Let's go back to Dylan. My number three is another iconic franchise. And if I played the theme song, you'd get it right away. It's no other than Star Wars. And I picked two for this because I couldn't decide between the two. I picked A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. And it pretty much shows the development of Luke Skywalker and his journey to becoming a Jedi as he trains with Yoda in the Empire Strikes Back. And in The New Hope, he starts learning from Ben Kenobi, who was Obi-Wan Kenobi. And no no one really understood like any of the characters really yet because it was the first movie uh, in the Star Wars franchise. So the fact that they went out of order and did something different, I found to be really cool. I actually agree with you on this one, Dylan. The only thing I have to disagree with you on this is you've got the movies wrong. The best one's number three, is Revenge of the Sith. Ooh, I, that, I like that one. That's my favorite one because there was so much action involved, and that's when you see the betrayal, and that's when you see the Galactic Empire form to where it is as you see it in A New Hope. But other than that, I think that you had a great. I think it's a great. I like it where it is. I respect that actually. That's a good pick, and my favorite is number four as well. I think that that's just an all-time classic movie, even with notwithstanding the 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 canon which continued after that. Even as a standalone, number four is still my favorite. All right, Gage, let's jump on into your number three. Okay, my number three has been previously mentioned by Dylan. This one, it's it's a classic football movie, and is he already mentioned it's draft day and it's just how this one man general manager who has a second overall pick or something like that changes it into a number a first round pick first overall pick and another draft pick where they picked up two got two players and a kicker just for the heck of it it's just so intense the whole last 24 hours of draft day before the draft begins and all the excitement anticipation of what this general manager is going to do if he's going to take the number one recruit that everybody thinks he will, it's kind of like this year's NFL draft where everybody thinks that the number one pick is going to be Trevor Lawrence by far. I have my, I don't, I have my, I'm skeptical about him because usually number ones don't do well in the NFL draft. As shown by the last couple of years. <laughs> As someone who does not follow the NFL draft, but still is interested in binging one or two football movies just to get a taste of them. Uh, definitely another one to put on the list. And uh, another good pick by Gage. Gage, do you know that the only uh, player on their team from the last couple of years that like currently plays since Eric Fisher got cut the other day uh, and Jared Goff and, Car- uh, and all of that, Cam Newton, the only player is Miles Garrett that's still on his actual team. That pretty much sums up how you can't really trust the number one pick unless you do more research with it, like what general, the general manager did in, that dra- in the draft that year. I recommend you watching it, Clever. You would like it because you can, you can go for any sport, NHL, MLB, NBA, you name it, because they go into full depth with the players and how they act. Definitely very, very cool. Um, Gage, a solid pick. Uh, I'm going to upset you with this next one, but we'll, we'll get this. We'll rip the bandit off. We'll get it out of the way. I know you've had a hot night so far with this sort of franchise, but just hear me out, okay? All right. I'll try Avengers Infinity War for you a specific reason. Me. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait
not because of the movie, but because of the experience I had while watching the movie. It's a good enough movie on its own, but this was a very, very special movie experience that I had. What, were you watching with your girlfriend or something? No, 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 no. I, I saw it with a group of high school theater friends that uh, sort of, like, uh, was really around my sophomore year. This was the first time I sort of hung out with uh, one of my closest friends, Tori, who goes to Manhattanville now, but this was a really special day because we traveled all the way from New York to Connecticut to see this movie. There was so much hype surrounding it and stuff, and we, we took a bunch of funny videos and things, and I always remember that this was, like, a very special day with that friend group, so that's why I placed it here. And also, just for the I don't feel so good line itself, it's such a funny meme. I wanted to place this inside of my top 10 favorite films because I really, really do think that this is uh, a solid movie and my favorite out of all the Marvel movies. Clever. Did you know that that scene was improvised? Really? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. How did I? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, but so... I'm going to bounce off of what you said, because you said how you had that much memory with your friends and all that. When I was in my junior year of high school, you remember when Glass came out? Uh, Glass. Never heard of that movie. Okay, so it's also like a superhero series. I think, I don't know who which um, came out with it, but it was a third of a trilogy. It was Divide or something like along those lines. But my my swim team were like, okay, we have no practice today, no school today. Let's go see a movie. So one of my friends, movie buff, he said, okay, let's watch Glass. I was like, and for me being me, I'm like, yeah, sure. Definitely sounds like a good movie. I don't know anything about it. So I didn't even know there was a trilogy, the third of a trilogy. So I walk in there clueless. And then I get in there and my friends are like, have you seen the first two? I'm like, wait, did you ever watch two before I watched this one? And they're like, oh, no, you're already one of those kids, aren't you? Uh... I'm like, we're going so back down one. the same route again. Late so Larry. hold on a second. You'd go to see Glass, but you wouldn't go to see Avengers Infinity War or Endgame. Because I was watching with my friends. And yeah, no, it's I all about annoying. the experience sometimes. Yeah, but what if your friends talk to you about Avengers, and then you saw it, and you saw how good it was? I would go if my friends went. That's the bottom line. If my friends asked me to go, it would give me, some, it would give me something to do to get out of the house. I, if it's, it's not my, isn't my favorite movie to choose firsthand? No. But well, I, if I if I'm able to get out of the house and do something instead of sit in my room and do nothing, I would rather go out and have that experience with some friends. Well, I'm definitely on board with that. I mean, I put the uh, in Infinity War in this spot for that reason. Not only was it a hyped up movie, but it was also that experience with friends that you could definitely relate to when you go to a movie. All right, let's roll on into our number twos here. Dylan, would you like to take us into the home stretch? Yes, I will. And I'm going to say beforehand, this one's controversial, but I have a huge, like, backstory behind it. Sure. So this VHS tape, I would put in constantly over and over and over and over and just played it multiple times. And it was a adaptation of the famous book by Roald Dahl, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is my number two. Thank you for not saying... The one with Johnny no, Depp. No, not the one with Johnny Depp. Although I did watch Johnny that Depp. one a lot too. I like the, the first one The original one's the good one. That yeah. is a great movie. Okay, I'm glad you're for it. I'm all for it. What do you think, Gage? <laughs> all I gotta say is one book title. And I think Dylan knows where I'm going with this. Dante's Inferno. Do you know that in... So you saw the movie, right? I'm assuming you did. Um, like the first original? Yeah, like the Bully Wonka... Yeah, yeah, the Willy Wonka. So you know when they go on that chocolate riverboat ride? Uh-huh. 
and he's like looking creepy, and he speaks like, and he says like these words, and, he, and uh, you don't no, know what the they wind, mean. The way is blowing. Is it raining? Is it snowing? Is a hurricane? A blah, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, that that is um, word for word from Dante's Inferno. That is very very interesting. I knew it was from something, but I didn't know it was from Dante's Inferno specifically. Yeah, so pretty much the whole movie, I talked to my mom about this, and she said that the real doll pretty much based that off of Dante's Inferno because each kid is tempted with one of the deadly sins everybody except for charlie there is the glue there is a glut the gluten one guy yeah uh glute. yep and then there's the um there's a self-esteem or whatever it Veruca is salt. uh-huh yep and so on and so forth so all those sins that you're told about and there's like high tv for like fame and exposure yeah and then willie wonka the devil himself that is such an interesting comparison i've never actually heard that before I know that you have such a, like a, a warm and happy memory of it, but after hearing <laughs> Sorry, that, no, oh, no, I mean, it's just that scene. Yeah, no, that one scene is so out but of place. But then, like, beforehand, he talks about, come and see in a world of pure imagination. He's like, pure imagination, which way the wind is blowing. And then he's yeah, just that's like... that's the devil himself, like, welcoming the, the kids to hell, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that is a heck of a comparison. So, Dylan, do you have any other childhood memories of watching Willy Wonka? Because I also had a Willy Wonka DVD or VHS or something. I just remember putting that tape in so many times, and I, I've just memorized, like, the entire, like, story and everything that's happened at this point. <laughs> Honestly, a great movie, as long as you don't watch the Johnny Depp version or the Tom and Jerry I mean, version. I mean, I own the Johnny Depp version, but... I mean, I watch that because I just like the story so much. I don't like the it's ones It's just where... something so unique and different. Yeah. Like a, war, a chocolate factory, and you get to explore it. And Gene Wilder's the, amazing in that movie, You go too. along the journey with them. Yeah. Um, my number two, I'll give it away. Clever mentioned this one, and I ranked it higher because I told him back, like, when we were talking about it, I said it should, be, uh, it should be ranked higher, and that's Miracle on Ice. Because for me personally, it's just the... For me, it's actually close to home when this happened because it happened in Lake Placid, New York, which is a couple hours away from me. So I've never been there, but I've, I've no, I was there this past summer actually when I was out um, when I had to do some community service work with some with some my Boy Scout troop. Mm-hmm. We went out there and we did some hours and we went to the and we walked by the ski resort where they have the Olympic training park. And that summer, so there's only two um, U.S. Olympic winter training parks in the country. I went to both of them in that same year. That is very summer. cool. I'm there jealous. was one in Salt Lake City where in the in the summertime, 2002. they what? Yeah, 2002. Yeah, now it's like now that's where the Olympics, Winter Olympic Olympians train down there. But in the summertime, they have tubing where you go tubing down the ski jumps hill, and it was just so much fun. It's like a amusement park for you for the kids. And then up here, and I went to the one in upstate New York like a couple of weeks later. Miracle on Ice is such a great movie, and we talked about it earlier on the show. What is your favorite moment from Miracle on Ice? It's also the speech, because that part and then the broadcast are saying, do you believe in miracles? But my favorite part of the speech is this one line in particular, and it's so, so true. He says, if we play this team ten times, we'll probably win nine of them, but not tonight. We're going to win tonight. And it, that part just, it's, it's giving chills to my back right now just saying that, because it is true in any underdog story. The team might be good. It might kick, it might beat you pretty easily, but if you pull off the upset one time, you're moving on. Truer words have never been spoken. 
let's move on to my number two. Uh, my number two is a movie that you guys have probably never heard of, but I this is one of my favorite uh, indie films of all time, and one that is with a face that you might recognize, Dylan. Uh, John Favreau uh, was in a movie in 2014, and it's called Chef. Have you ever have you ever heard of the movie called Chef? I know who John Favreau is. Have you seen is. Chef? Oh, Chef? Yeah, Chef. I love that movie. Chef is so amazing, right? It's so good. It's I a great it. movie. I think, I, know, I think we're on the same page here. Sophia Vergara is in that movie a lot. John yeah, Leguizamo. That one. I love that movie. Okay, so Chef is about a chef that gets fired from a, a, like a gourmet kitchen that he works at. And he ends up creating his own food truck in Miami. And he creates like Cubanos. And the food scenes is so fantastic. Uh, like... The the sequences where he makes a grilled cheese is so, it it just don't watch this movie on an empty stomach because you will want to eat after watching Chef. It is such a delicious movie. It definitely is. It's on Netflix now. I know that for sure. I saw it on Netflix a couple weeks ago, like a couple months ago. My parents said, "Yeah, Gage, you'll like this movie." So I was like, "Okay, I'll watch it." And John Tavera, I like him. I know that character. I know that actor. He yeah, John Tavera is fantastic in right. Chef. By the way, he actually helped direct Elf when that movie came out and there's like a whole story on how elf was made. And I think I recommend you watching. It was very interesting. And John Favreau also did the Mandalorian on uh, Disney plus. That was his uh, uh, brainchild. <laughs> you just ruined the gates. <laughs> no, I can, I'll watch the Mandalorian. Yeah, Mandalorian's great. It's officially at that point of the night. Are you guys ready to reveal our number ones? Yes. Although Gage is going to yell at me. Here we go. It is time for us to reveal our number one picks for the top 10 favorite movies of all time. Let us go to Dylan for his number one. Clever knows this because I actually did a speech earlier today where I illustrated the scene uh, with the visual aid speech. But anyway, uh, my number one is Captain America Civil War. And this was a massive film for me because it brought... All my all the superheroes together, and they're actually fought against each other, uh, fighting for different causes. Uh, superheroes were considered to be very similar to the Incredibles, actually, good and bad. Like they were destroying these buildings, so the, they had these Sokovia Accords, where they couldn't uh, be, be superheroes anymore and help out. And Captain America was completely opposed to this, and Iron Man, on the other hand, wanted to stay out of it. So they ended up fighting against each other because Captain America actually knew someone uh, that was causing havoc, and it was his best childhood friend. It'd make more sense if you saw Captain America and the Winter Soldier. But anyway, this movie introduces everyone's friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And that's really what the MCU needed for a very long time. And it was just such a great moment to witness. Yeah, I'm not going to say what I really want to say on it about this movie, <laughs> but um, it's I can't say much either because I haven't seen it. As you probably know by now, I don't watch Marvel, but um, <laughs> I just as well documented throughout the show. <laughs> I just think it's a stupid. I mean, I'm just I, I'm not, I just don't think it's a stupid choice. No offense, Dylan, but in my opinion, it's just not one of the better ones out there that you, that you can spend your two hours. I was taught in economics that there's a sunk cost where if you pay the money for a movie, for instance, and you don't like the movie, then get out. That's a situation where you just get out before the movie, before you see the starting, before you see the start of the movie. 
I'm gonna stay for the first minute of a movie and then I'm gonna flush my $15 down the drain. Forget it. I don't want to be entertained. It's a good plot. Uh, first of all, I think that Winter Soldier is great for that fight sequence. That fight sequence is so good with all the superheroes inside That's the Civil airport. War. Oh, I'm thinking the wrong one. No, I said Civil War. <laughs> oh. There's so many you can't remember them. Exactly. Uh, no, Winter Soldier's the one with Bucky and, like, Kim Oh, Bean. that's right. Okay, so Civil War. Yes, correct. Of course. Yeah. I got confused. Civil War is uh, the one where Iron Man, Spider-Man, Vision, and, mm-hmm. and, like, is on one side, and you have Falcon, Captain America, Bucky. That was a great scene. And then... Yeah. What's up, everybody? Am I late? What? Oh. Yeah. Spider-Man? Anyways... Great, great choice, Dylan, for you. Not for Gage, obviously, who doesn't like the MCU, but moving right along. Uh, Gage, why don't you reveal your number one movie of all time? Yes, my number one movie of all time. Dylan, you probably know what it is, so can you guess? Um, I'm guessing Moneyball. Yeah, you're correct. It's Moneyball. I, for me, I just, I love baseball. I started to throw a big fan of baseball as, I was, as, I, as the years grew on, and when I saw this movie and saw like a whole statistical part of it, I was like, okay, I want to do something. I want to learn about this a little more. And then this school provided me with baseball stats, which I was like, yes, sign me up for that, please. And I've taken that with Dylan now, and it's one of my favorite classes I have in the semester. Moneyball is such an interesting story of get making the most, making something out of nothing. Like the the char- the players that were cast aside end up becoming a, a near championship team. It definitely is. I I honestly, like, I've seen clips. I I just think that that movie is one of the better sports movies of all time. And I can definitely agree with why you put your pick there. I I just didn't, you know, obviously see the movie in full, but I've seen parts of it, and it's definitely a really solid film from what I've seen so far. Dylan and I saw for the first time a couple weeks ago after a radio show. I'm surprised he didn't come with us. He was but, editing um, the yeah, show. I was editing the show for Spotify and Anchor FM, which you can find all episodes of Project X on Spotify and Anchor FM. Anchor F- Anchor.fm backslash project dash X. Anchor.fm backslash project dash X. Thanks. Uh, yeah, continue. Yeah, so um, yeah, so my favorite part is like the whole is when they is when they actually start realizing this process is actually working. Because the begin the beginning of the off season, opening day, they're they're off to a terrible start, and then people are not trusting the process off the bat. They're like, "Oh, this thing is stupid. It's not working. We're not winning games," and they had no money in their pocket. Pretty much, like you said, they pretty much got they made a champion, almost championship team out of nothing, and then they won that on a twenty game win streak near the end. That was incredible. The only the first team to ever go on a twenty game win streak in MLB history, and MLB has been going for over a hundred years at this point. So it's very, it was very impressive, and then it changed the way pe- MLB teams looked at baseball players. I agree with everything Gage said with his movie choice. Uh, I thought Moneyball was also a, a very good film. Uh, it dives into the backstory of Billy Bean and his philosophy of how they were so on such a low budget, and they had to just resort to picking these players that no one thought could do anything. And it was just an uh, it, it was the new innovative way to become good without going ahead and just being the Yankees. I'm throwing my team under the bus, but <laughs> just throwing a bunch of money at players. Well, that was the Rangers in the mid two thousands, but I, I I'm with you there. Anyways, the the sports talk uh, will resume next week. We we will have it all show dedicated to one specific tournament of sports. 
Uh, we'll get I'm still looking that. forward to next we'll, week, baby. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that in just a moment, but I just want to share my number one movie of all time is a personal favorite of mine, and I think that is the strongest uh, film that I've ever seen in my life uh, in terms of just... It, it is funny, heartfelt, it, beautifully animated, and just my, my favorite film from this studio. Um, Monsters, Inc. is my favorite movie. The original Monsters, Inc. is my favorite movie of all time. It is the DVD that I've played so much, it started to actually get scratched and ruined. Like, it doesn't play anymore. That's how much I watched Monsters, Inc. And just how funny Billy Crystal and John Goodman are in that movie. And my mom and I used to watch that movie a lot, too. So it, it's a sentimental and personal favorite of mine. It's a beautifully animated film for the time it came out. And it is it is as close to a masterpiece as I think an animated feature can be. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, um, I don't... I mean, for me, Monsters, Inc. is oh, it's an okay movie, personally. Like, I don't have too much with it. I think the I think that Monster University is better. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course you do. I, I'm not going to diss too hard on you because I because I respect the whole sentimental part for it. I mean, I have some sentimental movies on mine on my list that I don't really go into much detail about, but overall I respect it completely, and I I like where it is. So it's really sentimental and has a place in your heart. I have a question for you, Clever. Sure. Now that they're making something for Disney Plus based on Monsters, Inc., are you for that or against it? I'm totally for it because I think that there's so many stories left to tell that uh, expand on the Monsters, Inc. Uh, universe of, of monsters living as if humans were is such an interesting premise that they sort of flesh out the world a little bit in both first and second movies, but they have so much more potential for it. So I think that having a, a follow-up you know, feature to it would really help continue the story of Monsters, Inc. or expand the universe more. I could also see why you like it because how they, like, changed the energy throughout the film. Like, originally it was scare energy, and at the end it was It was laugh energy, so it just, it turned from a negative into a positive almost. And I'm all for Billy Crystal's uh, most famous famous moment in the movie. Where he swallows the microphone. Put the thing back where it came from, or so help me. Dun, dun, dun. Put that thing back where it came from. Or so help me, so help me, so help me. And we're done. All right, guys, we made it all the way through our top 10 favorite movies of all time. So that means that there's only one thing left to do. Are you guys ready for a list off? Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Are you ready? At 10.14. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Guardians Pulp of the Galaxy, The Truman Show, Sandlot, Miracle, Jaws, The Big Lebowski, Toy Story, Paradise, Rockstar, Picture Show, Avengers, Infinity War, Shadow Monsters, Captain America, Miracle, and Moneyball. All right, boys, we did it. We got through our top 10 favorite movies of all time, and that is it for this week of Project X. Next week, we will be back with a massive blockbuster of an episode that will be hosted by Dylan and Gage. I'm so excited for you guys to get this opportunity to talk about your favorite basketball tournament of the year, March Madness. So, Gage, you want to talk about a little bit what's on the pipeline for next week? Yes, I'll talk a little bit about what's going on. We're going to be discussing the top 10 March Madness moments um, up to this point. And this dates back to 1939 when the tournament first began. And in the midst of it, we're going to ask some trivia questions for Dylan and Clever. I will be asking. I think Dylan might ask them, too. And just to um, make it enticing, and then we're going to share our top picks for our brackets. Yep, we're going to reveal some of our final fours for our brackets and some top picks there on what we think could be some upsets. Yeah, our final fours, our championships, our biggest sleeper, and the biggest upset we're seeing will go far. Looking forward to it, guys. 
All right, so that's going to do it for this week. It's time for us to sign off here. Thank you for listening to Project X on WQAQ 98.1 FM, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. Thank you to our listeners live on WQAQ.com, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor FM. Be sure to follow Project X on Instagram at Project X underscore WQAQ. That's at Project X underscore WQAQ. And be sure to look out for us at WQAQ Radio for our new show highlight that will be coming out very, very soon. Thank you to Jackie for coming on in and interviewing us and taking some fun footage of tonight's show. Um, Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. Uh, we also have an, a Twitter account, at Project X underscore WQAQ. That's at Project X underscore WQAQ. For Dylan Summer and Gage Kilborn, my name is Clever Streich. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week for our March Madness edition.